Welcome to Queen Talk, where we are our sister's keeper. It started, so. All right, ladies, the queens are in the building. I'm so glad to have you ladies here with the Tripod Queens today. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Doing good. Good. Yes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, y'all, listen, it's the queens again. We are coming for our, our, our chits and our chats and our fire chats and all of that stuff here. It's your girl, Georgette, a.k.a. The Preaker, and I am the president of A Tribe Called Queens. If this is your first time listening in to us, we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you stopping by and checking out A Tribe Called Queens. And we are the four queens that like to talk. Everything talk, that's us. And so <laughs> that's why we started this podcast. And we like to chit-chat and talk about things that people sometimes want to kind of hide under the rug. And we like to bring them to the forefront. And so Mama let my other queens um, say hello and introduce themselves. And we have two special guests in the house with us today um sadija a smiley and renee dixon and after the queens introduce themselves i am going to give a very short brief snippet of these ladies and then i will let them introduce themselves as well um our other queen vice president justina is not here with us today so uh just three queens you just got the three queens talking today but mm -hmm. go ahead e tell them who you are and uh introduce yourself for those who are joining for Queens for the first time. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. I'm Erica Lauren. I'm the owner and creator of the L. Davis Design Interior Design Studio here in the DMV and also the mother and founder of Heart of Louise and Autism Advocacy here as well. And what's your position with the trial called Queens? Is administrator. Yeah, she be pushing that paper, boy. She be pushing that paper for the queen. <laughs> All right, Lou, what you got? Oh, excuse me, Luana, a.k.a. Lou. What you got, Lou? Luana, a.k.a. Lou. I am the finance person here for Tropical Queens. I also have a platform where I be see youth building conversation in the DMV area. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And listen, y'all, we, we talking uh, a serious topic today, but I'm super excited to have our two guests with us. We have Sadija A. Make sure I put that A all up in there. Sadija A. Smiley is in the building. She is the founder and CEO of Sales, which stands for Stillborn and Infant Loss Support. And listen, this is my sister, Fred. She's also from Philly. Woo! She's a native Philadelphian that's in the building. Yes. And she is a mother of three. And I'm just going to leave it like that. And, just, and she will explain why I said that. And so, Sadija, we are super excited to have you in the building with us today. We also have none other than Coach Renee Dixon. I didn't know your middle initial, so I couldn't give it. Mm. <laughs> Like Sadija had put that middle initial up in there, like you know, she makes sure she have it on everything too. That's anyway, a whole nother show. I know, right? A whole nother show. 
Oh, but we have none other than Coach Renee Dixon in the building, another queen, and she is a personal growth coach. She is the founder and CEO of Young and Wiser LLC. She's a wife, a mother, a sister friend, and a queen. And so I'm going to go ahead and hop back and Sadiq, go ahead and tell them a little bit about yourself. And um, then Renee can tell them a little bit about themselves. And then we're going to get right into this topic. Cool, cool. So thank you for having me. And I, I do have to explain, you must use the A when I was younger and I used to sign my name. My mom used to say, I gave you a middle name for a reason. You better use your middle <laughs> initial. And I was 13. And ever since then, I've been Sadija A. Smiley. I keep trying to remember as a grown up, put it in my signature because my mom got on me about that. So mom, I know you probably never going to hear this, but just in case you listen to the podcast, you know how to work your phone. You heard your address say, yes, I'm using my middle initial. <laughs> Yes, she do, mom, on everything. Every time I, she be like, no, Sadija A, smiley. I'll be like, okay. Yes. <laughs> so the A is for Aisha. So I'm Sadija Aisha Smiley. I'm originally from Philly. Um, and as Georgette mentioned, the founder and CEO of nonprofit Stillborn and Infant Law Support. Um, I am the mother of three, two here with me on earth and one in heaven, Aviana Celine. And she is the inspiration and the um, the cause, the reason, the guiding light for sales, stillborn and infant loss support. Again, I'm from Philly. I'm a vegetarian. My favorite color is purple. I sound like I'm on a dating site. So if you know anybody, but anyway. So I, <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. I just really enjoy encouraging um, women in particular, but everyone um, that has had some challenges in life, especially grieving moms. Um, that are working through um, that part of their journey and trying to figure out how to get through it and to the other side. And so that's me. Awesome. Yeah, I know that's right. Go on and put that plug in there. That's right. Go on and put it in, boo. She said, but listen, that's a whole nother show too because she does have some expectations, okay? So let's just okay. make it real. Auntie, listen, I got your back, boo. I, I got you, don't you? I got you. <laughs> Renee, what you got for us? Tell us who you, tell the people who you are, Renee. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for having me. Uh, this is really an honor. So thank you for having me. Uh, Renee is my middle name. Um, if I tell you my first name, you know, that's dangerous for you. So I'm not, I'm not even going to touch that. Okay. My kids, it wasn't too long ago that my kids learned my first name. Okay. <laughs> they kept saying, Ma, Who's this lady that keeps getting mail here? And I was like, I don't know. Give it to me. I'll have to send it to her. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's not like a whole nother show. Yeah, that's Listen. a whole nother show. But that's I a am whole very, nother show. Be careful what you name your kids. That's all I got to say. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> my favorite color is green. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm already married. I'll be married 28 years uh, this October. Um, I have three kids, but I am a mother of many. And um, I have my own business, Young and Wiser LLC. Young and Wiser started out um, a personal growth coaching service for women over 50. And I just celebrated my second anniversary yesterday. And um, over the two years, I mean, it has evolved into so many channels and so many avenues. So no longer just a woman over 50. I, I say now that I serve young and wiser, young and old. Um, I serve women and the women that they, and the people that they love. 
Um, so I serve families of adoptive parents, of parents of who, families who've experienced miscarriage, families that, um, you know, are just in crisis with communication, um, just women and the women they love. As I said, um, recently, I've been able to, I've been blessed to be a, um, on an international platform with young leaders in Liberia and different countries in Africa. And that's just been tremendous. I mean, it's been explosive. So, um, yeah, the, the, in my second year of business, it's just been amazing what God has um, opened up to me and I'm ready and excited to grow some more. Awesome. And I happen to know this beautiful young lady, my little sister, uh, Sadija. She's played a big part in my life and I'm, I'm glad to be on this platform with her. Awesome. Yes. And we are honored to have you queens here with us today. We are super excited. And yes, congratulations. I saw that photo you celebrate in two years. That's a, a, a awesome, awesome milestone. So may God continue to bless everything that you put your, your hands to. So, and we, we love it. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. So we are going to be talking about loss today. And the reason that this came about, I was actually interviewing Renee on another, on my podcast, um, that I have. And, uh, at the end, we were talking and Renee just slipped something in, real, you know, not real quick, but we were having conversation. We were wrapping up. We had went through that whole interview, the whole interview. And I don't even remember what I said, Renee. I know I asked you a question and it led to something and Renee just blew me away like and she said it and then she just kept right on talking and i was like okay and i wrote it down because i'm always like i i write notes even as i'm doing my podcast because when my mind i would have used to be okay y'all so when somebody says something that triggers something or clicks something and i'm like wait a minute and so renee do you remember what you said no <laughs> you know my mind older than yours so <laughs> remember the question but i remember you telling me that you had experienced some severe several losses and you just said it and it just rolled out and i was like huh and so i want to make sure i get it right but renee said that she suffered or experienced six am i not mis correct am i correct that, okay that's correct Okay, so yeah, t t tell them what I'm making reference to, uh, Renee, because I want to tell your story because you can tell your story better than me. Well, my first experience with loss was the loss of my sister. When I was 20 years old, my mother was pregnant and um, she gave birth to my sister named Mercy and Merciana and um, but Mercy didn't live. She didn't live longer than three hours. Um, of course, I wasn't, I was 20. I wasn't familiar with anything like this. So I kind of watched my mom and how she handled it and how it was handled. Um, and then as, as I, you know, went through life, I also had three abortions. And then when I got married, we had six miscarriages. Um, and then of course, our first child, we adopted our second child because we were told we would never have children. So then I became pregnant again. Uh, with our second child. And of course, when everyone was celebrating, I was in the corner in fear because I didn't know how that pregnancy was going to end. We got to 26 weeks. She was born. She's alive and well and healthy today. And then when I turned 40, um, that's when they finally discovered that I had 29 tumors. I was pregnant with our son 
and was on bed rest the rest of the time of the pregnancy and um, had a near-death experience in delivering him. And so my journey to motherhood has been, um, I wouldn't, it, it has been eventful. It has been challenging and definitely eventful, but um, I call myself a mother of many for that reason. Um, there, I've, I've, I have many babies that I hold as, as my own in my heart. And even the challenges of becoming a mom and having the children that I have here physically with me has um, been quite an experience. But um, meeting Sadija um, and beginning to open up because I, I stuffed it. I didn't, I didn't know how to articulate that level of pain. I didn't know what words to put to it. I watched my mom and you can imagine over 35 years ago, I mean, we didn't, they didn't talk about this stuff. They stuffed it. She rolled people, um, didn't want her around. She was literally told that because she would make them sad. And so she, uh, you know, just kind of stayed back and dealt with her own pain. And I just watched her. And what I learned from her was that that's what we do. You, 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 you take care of yourself. You go handle your pain and you keep rolling. Sunday morning, you're back. You know, I'm, I'm a PK. So Sunday morning, you know, we were back at church doing what was usual. I was back doing praise and worship. I was back teaching Sunday school. I was back singing in the choir. Meanwhile, next door to me, next to, in the house that I lived at with my husband next door to me, there was a, a young woman that lived there. And I, I don't think she has any less right to have children than I did. But the fact it was, was she was a crackhead and she would come out on the porch and I would come out on the porch and her belly was growing. And I was losing babies, right? You know, every time I tried, I was losing babies. And so there was a lot that I was carrying, a lot I was carrying. And, um, you know, my oldest is now 20. So meeting Sadija and uh, learning what she does. And it was like, you know, she gave me this little room where I could go in with her and I could say, hey, Sadija, you know, this happened to me. This happened to my mom. This happened to me. And and it was just like little secrets I could tell her about how I was feeling until um, I was able to go to her for a, a summit that she did last year. And it was like, I told her just recently, it was like I, I emptied it all. Like all that pain just came out, you know. Um, we're taught not to ask why. But, you know, that moment, I got to say, why? I mean, why not ask why? We're asking the one with the answers, right? So why not ask why? So I was able to say why. I was able to, um, I don't use the word heal, but I was able to find placement. And I was able to realize that my story and my voice could be a healing agent for other people. So um, that's it. That's what, that's what, you know, that's it. <laughs> Wow. <clears throat> that That's a lot. She said, that's it. <laughs> that's a lot, but that's it. <laughs> that, I mean, like that, that, that's a lot. I mean, yeah. I, and I, I, I was like, wow. When she said it, she was like six miscarriages. And I was like, I mean, it just peaked something in me. And I was like, wow. I mean, and to know Renee and like, I never knew that. And I met Renee actually last year at, um, Sadija Summit as well. She was there and then she came to the pitch competition and I had no idea. And so, you know, they always say we never look like what we've been through. And so I, I am so glad that you did have the opportunity to meet Sadija so that she can help you through and navigate through that journey because it, I mean, loss is definitely a journey. And so, 
Uh, I mean, so did you just want to talk a little bit to, you know, your loss and, and what you experienced? Thanks, Renee. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so for me, I, I was 21 years old. I was a junior in college. Um, it was my first pregnancy, uh, at, well, first pregnancy, and I didn't have any challenges. It was a seemingly healthy pregnancy. I was going to class, working. I was working out, you know, eating all the right things, taking my prenatal vitamins. And then um, I was had a baby shower and everything. And at 36 weeks, um, one day I was just uh, at the time, my boyfriend at the time, I was cleaning up, getting ready. We were going to do a surprise birthday party for him. And then I sat down to take a quick break. And I just started thinking, like, well, when was the last time I felt my daughter move? Like, when did I feel her move? And I couldn't remember. And I sat there for a while to try to figure out and just wait. And I was calling her name and talking to her, and she wasn't moving. So I got a little nervous. I called him, and I said, listen, I'm not sure how long it's been, you know, since the baby has moved. I don't know what that means. I don't think she's still sleeping. You know, I've been doing all these different things. And so um, her favorite thing was McDonald's French fries. So he was like, okay, I'm gonna leave work. I'm gonna go to McDonald's, get some fries, and then I'll be home. Um, I said, well, I'm gonna call the doctor, you know, while we wait. So I called the doctor um, and the doctor asked to drink a glass of cold water and give us a call back in 30 minutes and see, you know, if that happens. And I was like, you know, I didn't know. I was like, okay, this is a doctor. This is the person who went to school all those years and did all this residency. They must know what they're talking about. So drunk the water. He came home, ate the French fries. He was calling her name. I was calling her name. We were shaking my stomach and she never moved. And so I called the doctor back. I said, hey, I drank the water. Um, she's still not moving. And they were like, well, you can come in if you want to. And I was like, well, I think I should because I, I don't know what this means. And it was like, okay, you can come in. And so I went to the um, ER, they rushed us upstairs to the labor and delivery. Um, and they did the ultrasound and they were looking for, you know, her, I could see her silhouette on the camera, but she wasn't moving. And then the radiologist, the tech looked at me and I looked at her and you can feel like the, that thing in the room where it was just, it was just really weird. It was eerily quiet. It was very silent. And she left when came got the doctor they came back he did the same thing and it was like they were having this secret conversation he's looking at her she's looking at him and i'm i'm looking at both of them like well what does this mean and then um the doctor told me that they were sorry that she didn't have a heartbeat and i was like i still i still didn't really know it i couldn't process it and i was like well like what does that mean and he was like i'm sorry your baby died and i was like so how does she get out? Like, I didn't know. I'm like, so if if she died, like, am I sick? Is something going to happen to me? Am I going to, like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And they said, no, we'd have to induce you. I said, so I still have to go through labor to get her out? And he was like, yeah. I said, well, can't you just give me a C-section? You know, just cut me open. Let's just get it over with. And, you know, they were like, well, no, the healing process and the recovery, that's a major surgery. Um, so they talked me out of the C-section and I went and they, I, I was like, well, just give me, you know, whatever drugs you can give me so that I don't have to feel whatever pain, because I knew that laboring through that pain to bring forth a baby that I wasn't going to leave with, for me, I felt like, why well, put myself in it? Like that was the very first decision of self-care and self-preservation that I made for myself. I was like, I'm not going to put, my heart is already broken. I'm not going to put my body through this physical pain. Um, and, and not have a reward at the end. So they gave me the epidural and all whatever drugs they could give me and they put in the IV. I was in labor for 23 hours and then 
I finally delivered her and I asked them because the doctor was saying, well, maybe there's a cord accident or something. So when I, when I delivered her, I asked him, I said, well, you know, how is she? Is the cord? And he held up the cord and the cord was fine. There were no knots. There were no kinks or anything. And I asked, I said, well, what happened? And he was like, we don't know. We don't know. And so we, um, they took pictures of her, allowed us, they showed us her, they dressed her and everything. And then when we left the hospital, we left without a baby and um, it was hard. It was very difficult. I never experienced, that was the first death that I had to deal with in my life. And I never experienced any pain. I couldn't describe like the pain. I didn't even, I, it was no way for me to describe like how I was feeling. I didn't have any words. I, people would ask me, I just couldn't describe it. And I just, I, I was like, this just not, this can't be right. Like this is, and like Renee said, you ask questions, oh my God, you know, why would you do this? Why would you take me through nine months of pregnancy and, you know, and 23 hours of labor? Like, why wouldn't you just like, why would you do this? And I felt like I was being punished. I was not mm. married. I had clearly we had sex out of wedlock. I was not married. He was not my first partner. So I was like, well, maybe I'm being punished for things that I had done with my body. And I'm like, this is a sucky way to punish somebody like that's not fair. Um, and so I became angry, you know, and I just, I got quiet. I didn't talk to people. Um, and then I had another baby. My second daughter was born 362 days later. And that was a whole nother experience being pregnant after loss. But I say that because like the next five years after my first daughter died, I don't really remember a whole lot. Uh, it's like a blur. Wow. I just, did whatever I had to do. I graduated undergrad. I had another baby. I there's some other things. I had to look in notes honestly to see some things that happened in that first five years because I really don't remember. A few things stick out for me. That's how I was treated because of the death of my daughter. I remember every nasty, mean thing that a person said to me. I can tell you, I remember the woman that said, at least she was not five. At least you did not know her. You oh, didn't have Jesus. a husband anyway. I remember all three of them women and I can see their faces to this day. And here we are almost 20 years later. Um, and so people, that's yeah, people are mean, but that that's my story. And to hear Renee talk about the space that was created, I didn't have that. And that was something that I, I was like, I wish I had. And I definitely needed that because that five years maybe wouldn't have been like that had I had a space or a person that would say, come on over here. You, you're safe here. Come talk to me. You can dump it here. I didn't have that. And so I really wanted to create that because that was the worst. It still is the worst time of my life. And I would never, ever, ever want any woman, any family, anybody to go through that kind of pain alone. You want to go through the pain anyway, but to go through that kind of pain alone was was horrible. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That... That thing just gave me chills as I was just sitting and listening to actually both of you guys. And so, I mean, for me, I've never experienced the loss of a child. And so I don't know what that feels like. Like, and I can't even say that I do know what it feels like. And so just the bravery. And I'm so glad that you guys are now on the other side of that because something that Sadisha said, you know, the the pain and, and, and the why, and now, you know, <clears throat> all of these years later, you know, the why, I mean, that's part of it. I don't, I don't know the why, let me back up. I, but that's part of your why is for 
other women because we always say that, you know, the things that we go through and that we experience it's not just for us. It sucks that we have to experience it though, right? Because <laughs> it's like, why do I have to experience this? But it's for other people, you know? And once we get on that other side, because now you see hearing Renee's, you know, story, and it's so funny that she went first, but it's just them. So now you get to hear part of the why on why you had to experience that. And Queens, y'all have, and the other thing I wanted to say too, before I let my Queens chime in, um, I always ask people, you know, when, when they say that, you know, we can't ask God why, and I'm like, where's that in the Bible? Like, where is that written that you can't ask why? Right. Other side of that though, the caveat is though, but when you ask why, be ready for what the answer, (laughs) be ready for what he will reveal to you, you know, but there's nothing. And the first thing I say to people back when they say, well, I can't ask why I can't question God. I go to hello. If any man lacks wisdom, that's what the Bible says. Now I can tell you that I, I can tell you that verse. If any man lacks wisdom, seek him first uh, seek ye the kingdom first it says that there's there, there's there's several scriptures about coming to him first and if anyone lacks wisdom read the whole book of proverbs we're going there right now we want to know about wisdom and mm-hmm. so there's nothing saying that we can't ask him why that's exactly who we, we we need to go to him first in all things and so I I thank you for that breakthrough, Renee, that you were able to have that breakthrough to be able to sit and go and seek because he knows all. He's the ruler of all. He knew what was going to happen before it even happened. So why not sit at his feet and ask him? Now, I don't know if he's going to reveal it, but, you know, that is still about being in relationship with him. So I would E or uh, or Lou, y'all have anything that y'all want to add on? Mm. That that was that was a whole mouthful right there, y'all. Just another. We just started. <laughs> we just started. So, E, you got something? You look like you got something, E. Yes, I was clearing a hiccup. Sorry. I do want to commend you, ladies. This is not an easy topic to talk about, and to reveal yourselves and reveal your pain for everybody to hear and to understand. It's a healing process, but it also is a hurting process. Cause like you said, Sadija, there were women that came to you out of their own ignorance. Um, and that's something that I think we, as just, um, generations of women, what we heard for someone, someone else say, or what we're thinking has been passed on to us. It's just a trauma bond that we keep shipping off to each other. So I thank you so much for extending your stories to us and for the ladies that are going to listen in and hear and the men as well, um, to, understand you know loss is such a big case but in this sense with you all i would like to know um what are some of the things that you that helped you get through your loss and what can you extend to the audience that's listening in ways that they can go about um assisting if they don't have they didn't know about your organization your organization so you can speak to it now but what are some of the things that help you get through and that you would like to share um, I guess I'll go first. I think um, to go back, uh, and it feeds into your question, Erica, to go back to the why part. Um, I still, I, I struggle and I wrestle with God all the time when it comes to the why. In my heart, I don't believe that my why is so that I can help other women. I believe that I created that why out of what happened. 
Um, and so that would be what I would tell those create your why, create a purpose for that pain, because if you don't, it's going to swallow you whole. And so you have to create it. And it may be helping other women. It doesn't necessarily even have to be related to the topic. It could be giving meals away at homeless, at a homeless shelter. Because one thing about when you lose a baby, it reminds you, like it, it just shatters your innocence. Now you know that everybody, we know everybody dies, but we have this chronological order in our mind. First, our parents, then the kids, then, you know, as you, oh, like in order, it is so out of the natural order for the baby to die first, especially before they're even born. And so I would encourage women to create a purpose for the pain, find an outlet, draw, write, sing, do hair, do lashes, do whatever it is that you can take that energy and put it into something because my I always tell people because it consumed me for five years so I can tell you if you don't find something to do with that energy it is going to swallow you whole so create and and you may reach out to other women because like you said Georgette you haven't been through that and most most of us are like if you haven't been through it don't talk to me about it I don't I don't want to hear I, I respect that you have this sorrow and this sympathy for me but you have not been here. You have your children or, you know, you have your grandchildren. So I would encourage them to find someone who has walked or is currently walking because it's just, it's an unspoken bond. Like you don't even have to, you could just sit there and you can just sit with each other and you just feel this, she gets it. Like when you sit in there and you look lost or you look like you got the, like she just gets it. And so you don't always have to talk because sometimes sharing and as you guys can hear my voice, it, it can be re-traumatizing and it can be even more hurtful if you're not in a position to be able to talk about it. Um, so I would say create that purpose for your pain, put that energy somewhere. Please, please don't let it swallow you up because it will. And find other individuals, whether it's a support group in person, whether it's a blog online, whether it's a social media account, Find someone else who has experienced it and read what they wrote, hang out with them, send them a text message. Because we, even though it's a very um, lonely place, you're not alone. And the, we, those of us that have been there, when you get that text message or that phone call, you know what it's like to be on the other side. So you never ignore. You never ignore. You always are going to respond because you know what it feels like to be for you to be trying to reach up out of this dark place. And so those are the things that that I would say. Yeah, that's all. You know, I, I, I didn't mention this in my story. So the first three miscarriages that I had, I went to the doctor. You know, I talked about it. People knew about it. Uh, the last three, by the time I hit number four, I just went silent. So I would take a pregnancy test. I did not expect um, to give birth. Um, by that time, I was uh, I, I was in a different place. And so four, five, and six, I didn't talk about. I didn't share it um, outside of you know my doctor knew, um, my husband knew, but I didn't share until many, 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 many years later that I had had three additional miscarriages. So for a lot of my family, they were just learning in recent years that I had had three more. You just get tired of disappointing people. You get tired of hurting. You're already hurting enough. You don't know how to tell your parents. You don't know how to tell your friends. You don't know how to tell other people anymore. You don't want to keep watching them hurt the way you're hurting. So you just stop talking about it. So when I say I stuffed, I stuffed. 
and I blossomed up to 353 pounds and didn't even understand why. But that was what stuffing looked like for me. Um, and it looks like different things for different people. But as I began to get free from the stuffing part, it's still, you know, that's why now I'm, I'm very particular about the vocabulary. Like I, I don't say healed. Um, my heart will always ache. It's, they're my children, you know, and I, I didn't, they didn't get to grow up with their mommy. So my heart will always ache for those children, those nine children. And, um, and she's so right. You know, uh, you, you find yourself getting a lump in your throat when you just think about it. You want to know what they smelt like. You want to know what their their little skin and toes and fingers felt like, you know, and it never changes. You know, they would be adults now. I I, I see sometimes 23-year-olds and 25-year-olds and I, and I gravitate and I want to hug on them and I want to be so proud as their mama. And I do have, God has blessed me with people like that in my life. And I know they don't understand why is she just so crazy about me like this? Well, I have you've become one of my babies, you know, and it's easy for me to do that. I think that is one of the blessings of this is that it's easy for me to love um, young adults. Um, but I have certain vocabulary I don't use. Like for one, I don't use I don't like to use the word loss. I didn't lose my children. They're still with me. They're still in my heart. I'm still their mom. They're still my children. Um, I, I still celebrate, even though it's very private now. I celebrate. Um, I got a chance to really celebrate my sister. Um, I get, I, there are days when I'm, I'm thinking about, it's almost like I knew who they were. Like there are days when I'm thinking about the little boy or I'm thinking about the little girls, or I'm thinking about how they would have played together and what type of siblings they would have been to my younger children, um, to my current children. Um, so, you know, it's, it's everyone experiences this differently. And I think it's the beautiful thing is when that is allowed to happen. Um, don't look for yourself to heal or to look like healed or look like on the other side as I look. Um, don't let, don't expect yourself to look like Sadeja look. You're going to look the way you look. Um, and I think that's when we take down all these expectations and just let it flow, you know, I, I think that's what Sadiq, the gift Sadija gave me was to be able to take down the expectations because I'm sitting here wondering, well, it's been 20 some years. Why can't I still cry about this? Shouldn't I be over this by now? Shouldn't now that now that I have children, a lot of people expect this. Now that you have children, surely you're okay because now you have your children. Yes, but if one of my children went missing today, would I just get over them because I have two more? No. You know, um, you don't get over them. You don't replace them. You still are their mommy and they're still your baby. So I think for me, that that was the one thing I loved saying to people when they come to me and they're like, what is wrong with me? Why am I still grieving? Because you lost your child. Doesn't that make sense? You know, to any other mother, why am I still Absolutely. grieving? Because you lost your child. And it, I don't know what it is about that. When I even say that to me, it's like, whew. That takes so much weight off me. Like, you know, I lost my, well, my, I don't have my child with me. You know, I don't have my child with me. I know where my children are and I know they're safe and I know they're in a great place and I know they're, but they're just not with me. And that makes me sad at times. So I know just let people be. Mm. <laughs> I think when, you know, there are times with people and they mean well, and they run it behind you and just don't think about it, honey. And just do this, honey. And honey, do. And honey, I'm like, honey, listen. <laughs> 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 
Come on, Renee. <laughs> unless you are P. Renee Dixon. I gave you my initial. Unless you are P. Renee Dixon, you cannot tell, honey, how to feel. You know? Yes. So maybe I don't look the way you want to look. Maybe today, you know, you're like, oh, it maybe it makes you sad to see me sad. But just leave me alone. Leave me alone in my in my way. You know what I mean? Don't leave me alone in terms of praying for me, um, letting me know that if I need you, you're there. But yes. leave me alone in my way. Because mm. this is nothing. This is nothing I think that is duplicatable. Is that a word? Did I make up a new word? It's not duplicated. She, she be making up new words. Come on. <laughs> Give you some new words. Now I got my own dictionary. See? <laughs> I got the Webster. You got the Dixon. But um, yes. But there's nothing about this that's the same with every woman. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about this that's same with every father. There's nothing about this that's the same with every grandma. I just, I'll never forget the time when my mom went with me to get a sonogram. And I think this was time number three. This was the day I made up that I made up my mind that if I got pregnant again, I would not mention it until the baby was in my hand. Um, and I, and my mom is sitting on the edge of the chair and she's like all up in the sonogram. The people had to push, can, can you lean back a little, Miss Goodlow? Can you kind of move out the way? And she's like, oh God, I'm going to see my baby. I'm and she's so excited. And because I've been through this process en enough, I knew what the sonogram was saying. And then mm -hmm. having to tell my mom, oh, mommy, it, it, there's no heartbeat. There's no baby there. You know, it was that that was harder for me than losing the, you know, that was just as hard, you know. So, wow. Just, I, I think that's that's um, something I'm really passionate about, about giving people their their way and their space and, and their story um, and their voice. And if they don't have a voice yet, letting them know it's OK. It's okay. It'll it'll come, and when it come, when it comes, it will do what it's supposed to do. If it comes to heal other people, like Sadija's voice does, that that's what it'll do. If it comes, you know, to comfort your family and those who who are grieving along with you, that's what it'll do. But when your voice comes, it will do what it was it is supposed to do. But to have someone in this world that allows the platform for the voice to come. It's like having a, she's a midwife in another sort of way to me. You know, she, she ushers us to a place where our voice can be heard and what words can be spoken and when tears can fall and anger can be expressed and hurt can be lived out and all of the things that come with it. And then the weird days when you just feel joy, you're like, why am I happy? Why am I just kind of forgetting? I didn't think about the babies today and you feel kind of weird about that. But, um, those days come too, where weeks may go by and you don't remember until someone reminds you that this has happened. And then you feel like, oh, I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to forget my, you know. And so there's so many things mixed in there to talk about, Satija. Um, there's so many chapters to this and, and verses to this that, it, it, you know, it's hard to consume it all. Wow. And yet every woman has a different one, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. That is really good. And it's, it's interesting because that was one of the things. And I, as I talked to lost moms, even for myself, I think that's why that first five years for me was a blur because I held on so tight to what happened because I didn't want to forget who she was. I didn't want, I, it was so hard to let it go because I felt like letting go of the pain, letting go and letting the process happen would mean that I forgot her or I'm not a mother or I'm horrible. 
I did not understand that you could loosen up and, and, and let it go a little bit and let the process happen and still be a mother, still be a woman. Like it, it was who I was. And I wore that thing like a mark, like a scar. And I think a lot of us get stuck in that and you don't want to move forward because you're the only person that knows. And it's like, so if I go to a party or if I laugh and have a drink, am I not grieving my baby anymore? Everybody's going to look at me like, oh, now you're fine. You were just in shambles last week. Oh, you're okay. And you get torn between those identities. It becomes the, the grief part becomes your identity. And it's, yeah. then it, it's hard to take it off and step into, you know, a new person, your new normal. Mm. It's like that. I, I When you were saying, when you were talking, it's like, um, you know, like a weight, like it, it's just like an anchor or a weight that's literally around your neck, you know, and I just thought about, I don't know why you were talking. I thought about like the woman with the issue of blood, you know, and just, I don't know, that just was what came to my mind, but how she just, for all of those years, just held on to that. And it's like, that was her identity, like you said, you know, and then once <clears throat> she was healed, you don't even hear anything else about it. But it's like we, and I think just as women, period, you know, whatever the trauma may be, you know, not discarding what you suffer, but just in general, whatever the trauma is that we suffer, it becomes our identity. Like it becomes who we are and it takes, you know, sales and other things, other organizations, other support, a tribe. That's why it's so important. Hello to have your tribe and have your, your women that can encourage you and uplift you and inspire you to help you pull that weight off. And like, I mean, it's never going to be forgotten. Loss is just something you're always going to deal with. And something that you you both said and, and, and something that I had written down that I wanted to talk about was, you know, can we consider all loss the same? You know, as I said pre earlier, I have never experienced uh, losing a child, but I have experienced losing other people. And so that was something I wanted you guys to touch on because I sometimes feel like, you know, and I, every time I attend something Sadija has, I, that's always my question. That's always where I'm leaning towards against, because since I haven't experienced that, you know, can you help those who have not experienced, you know, what are we to do? Like, what are we to say? Because I know what loss feels like. I mean, oh my goodness. I know what loss feels like. So is it different? Like, can I compare my loss to your loss? Or is that something that we shouldn't do? Like, and so I always, you know, like, okay, Sadiq, like, can you do something on <laughs> helping us with how to help people who have, because I can't even, like, like I said, I know what loss is, but we're talking about a baby. Like, like Sadiq said, it's just like, I even when I think about it, when I say it, it's just like, it just stops me right in my tracks, you know? But does that, you know, so is there any difference in loss and how do we go about that? And for those who haven't lost a child, you know, how do we help? How do we support? What do we say? Because for me, I'm the type of, if I don't know what to say, especially if something like, I just, I'm just quiet. Like Sadie just said, I'll just sit there, just call if you want to breathe on the phone. Like, cause some, sometimes I have learned that silence is powerful as well. And so and and it took me a while to get there because I, I felt like I had to always say, because I'm always speaking, but as you grow and as you mature, you learn that silence is powerful as well. I know that was a whole mouthful, but that, yeah. 
to speak on should we, you know, is there a difference in loss? I guess that's my initial question. Me too. Well, I, I think because I have lost others in my life that were very near and dear and close to me, um, I, I didn't experience my children um, other than, you know, um, the moving, you know, because I, I always lost late into the pregnancy. I was past um, third trimester um, in each case. And funny enough, all of my children, one, um, I lost lost, I'm saying this word, uh, one, uh, a loss around on Thanksgiving, one was the day before and one was the day after. So um, they all had that same due date. A Mother's Day was their, May was their due date. So Mother's Day just disappeared for me for after that. Um, and it's funny enough, my, my daughter, who was a preemie, she was born May 1st. Um, it was like, in a way, she was setting a record straight for mommy, you know. Um, but I, I don't know why we want to do this. You know, loss is, <laughs> it is, it just is. And I, I can't say for you, nor should I say for you, well, your loss is not like my loss because I lost a baby. Um, I don't know what it is to, lo to lose a husband. I, 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 you know, I don't know what it is to lose a parent, you know, um, so I, I don't think that we should do that. I don't think it matters. Someone you love is is has left your life and it hurts. Um, and that should be enough. I think that just should be enough. I think we we you know we want to qualify too many things. It's, mm -hmm. it's, hey, do you hurt? You do. Okay, you lost your cat, man. You know we we do this and it's not fair. And I, I remember when um, when Sydney, my um, preemie. She hates when I call her that, but she was. She was a preemie. Um, Sydney, my preemie, when she was in the hospital, um, I, I, you know, she was in the NICU for three months. And one day I came there and Sydney had coded and everybody was, you know, try, flying. They were flying in there to take care of her. And I'm literally outside the NICU, like on the floor. I'm a mop. I'm just sliding all over the floor. Oh, Lord. You know, I'm just carrying on. And uh, when they came out the NICU, they had a little tweezer and they were like, I want to explain what happened. And I was like, what? Sydney had this booger in her nose and she decided she wasn't going to breathe. So, you know, I had a lot of words for Sydney. I still got words for Sydney for that. Whoa. But, um, <laughs> that's, that's literally what happened with Sydney. But my supervisor at the time, I worked for a company and Georgetown University was one of my um, one of my customers. And so it, I would go see all my clients in the hospital and then I would go spend the rest of the afternoon in the NICU with my daughter. So my my new manager uh, was, I guess, shadowing me and going to see my customers and meeting them as well. So she saw me in the NICU and she was like, oh, why are you here? And I was just cleaning up, getting myself together, just getting up off the floor and everything. And I explained through tears what was going on. And she was like, I know how you feel because my dogs got sick. And she went on talking to me about her dogs being sick and, and never revisited Sydney. At the time, of course, I was like, how dare you compare, you know? And I, I, you know what I did? I went back to my office and wrote my letter of resignation that day. That's how upset I was. Oh, wow. Because um, I ain't played that. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I have since, now I don't think what she did was appropriate, but I've learned to respect other people's loss. Um, it's not my job to qualify it. It's not my job. Mm -hmm. It's no one's job Good. to do that. And I've learned since then to, 
you love someone and they're no longer with you and that's enough for me, you know? And mm-hmm. so th- that's where I would kind of leave it. That's good. What you got, Deej? Yeah, I think <clears throat> that, so in, in the, I'm going to start from the end of Renee's and go back to your question. That's the danger of comparison. That's, that's a perfect example because when you start to compare losses, one, the mm. person who is in that loss at the moment, they feel like if you don't give a, I know sometimes I cuss. You don't give a crap about me. Like, no, I, I got to beep it. I can beep it out. No, go ahead. Y'all know, and that's my favorite word. The S word is my favorite word. We cuss too. We cuss too. Yeah. Like, you know, when you say something like that, they're like, well, you don't give a crap about me. It's not even the fact that you compare it that makes people upset or makes them uncomfortable. It's the fact that it makes me feel like you don't care about what I lost because mm. you're comparing it to your loss that was whenever it was. But right now I'm in pain. I'm telling you, or I'm here with you because of what happened to me. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that it, that it's being compared. It's the fact that you're taking away my time right now to be heard about how I feel. So mm. I think that's the danger um, in the comparison. And then the um what can you do if you haven't things like this i'm telling you even if nobody says anything whoever listens to this that has been through this they're going to be like oh they're going to feel so good and so validated and to think that you have women who haven't gone through this who are not afraid to bring other women on their platform who are not afraid to give space right for those women that's that's all we really want is somebody to acknowledge the pain that we have and hold space. You don't have to feel it. And I think that's the misconception. Like when we're looking for volunteers and we're doing events, people are like, well, how can I really help? Because I haven't been through this. You don't have to be through it. The fact that you want to be there for someone, you don't have to have gone through it. The fact that you want to be there for someone that has is enough. Because there's so many people who haven't and they look at us like we are contagious, like we got the plague, like we just so delicate and you feel so put off. But to have someone that hasn't gone through it be willing enough because it's uncomfortable. And I always think about it. It's uncomfortable for you to think about it. How uncomfortable do you think it is for me to have mm-hmm. gone and still be going through it? Yeah. So to have someone that hasn't gone through it be willing to be that uncomfortable for me and what I experienced, that's gold. That is valuable in itself. And it's okay to even say, you know, I don't even really know what to say. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes I don't. It's like, I, I just, you know, and, and the more I talk to you and the more, like I said, when, you know, when I was interviewing Renee and she just said it so matter-of-factly and I was like, wait a minute. Like, I mean, it's just, I was like, wait a minute, you know? And so for me, it's just, like I said, just unpacking and being uncomfortable in that space. But I don't want to um, make you feel like, you know, you are a woman with an issue of blood. You understand what I mean? Like, I want to know because knowledge is power. You understand? And so in order for me to know, then we got to talk about it, you know, and and I always, you know, we, we always want to give that space to women to be able to have these conversations because, like you said, if if we're not doing it, then who is doing it, you know, and you can't do this alone. I mean, we are a big proponent of that. I mean, that's the whole purpose behind a tribe called Queens, you know, one sister at a time, because 
it is so many issues that people want to slide under the rug and not want to, oh, well, it's getting better. Well, it's not enough. Like, it's just not enough. And so how do we now make ourselves, I mean, you know, I always said it, be comfortable in the uncomfortable because it's the only way that we're going to navigate through certain issues. And so for me to be uncomfortable, like I'm okay with that. If that's going to help another queen, if that's going to help another sister on the journey of, you know, this process of becoming who God created them to become. And so I think it's very, very important. I mean, and so like, yeah, like Erica said, like, I just applaud you guys for, for being in this fight, for being in this battle. Um, and, you know, in this journey and just for finding your voice, because I think like Sadija said, you know, for five years, she didn't have a voice. And so to be able to come through this and find your voice and then provide the space for other women, like, it's no words for that. So, yeah. 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 You know, I, I just want to add on, you know, most women, we, we are faced with challenges regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And the fact that you set up a platform where we could talk about it, you know, um, and when we can find that we're not all that different, you know, um, I, I've talked to women who thought, you know, they, they, they'd adopted a child and everyone thinks, and everyone pretends like, oh, it's just like, you know, this, and it's just like that. Well, it's not. And mm -hmm. to be able to create a, to create a platform where I can say, this is what it felt like, this is what it feels like to be an adoptive mother. There's a process in adoption where you're waiting for to see, especially if the, the mother has, uh, you know, deserted the child, they make you wait to see if that mother is going to reclaim the child. So mm. for, for me, that was two years. That was like a two year long pregnancy. That I'm waiting to see if it miscarries, you know, wow. um, then you have another child where it's your she's she's born premature. You don't know from day to day for three months or even for that first year how she's going to do. And then I'm carrying a child in my 40s with a, with 29 tumors in my body. And I'm not sure if I'm going to make it, much less the child. So it, the, the ability to be able to talk about stuff, regardless of where your angle was or the, the mom who has no challenges at all, delivers babies fine and has children should not be made to feel guilty when she's sitting around us and we're going, this happened to me. And she's like, you know, I feel, I now feel guilty because I don't have those same stories. No, man, I celebrate you. Thank God you didn't have to go through this stuff, you know, but just making us all e at ease for whatever our challenges have been, you know, or mm -hmm. not, or no challenges, you know, um, you know, it's like being in a group of women. You got some women who are divorced and some woman who's happily married and some woman is in a bad marriage. We, you know, I can't talk because she, you know, I can't say this because of this. No, we should just be there for one another mm -hmm. regardless, you know, just be there for one another. And there are going to be times where you don't know what to say, girl. I don't know. I've, I've never had that happen to me, but just to know you're standing in the place for your sister, you're there you're going to hold her hand. She's, you know, oh, that's just beautiful. And I thank you guys for creating this space because we, sometimes we have challenges and sometimes we don't, we, we just need to be there for one another regardless. Um, yeah. If we can, yeah. sometimes we can't, but if we can, we should. Yeah. And I think that's powerful because that's, that's what it is. The fact that you are willing to stand here with me knowing good and damn, I said a damn, knowing good and damn. <laughs> 
warming up. Warming up. That's on the A side, though. They, it ain't on the F side. So. It's warming up. <laughs> we're getting close to an hour, y'all. I'm getting wet. Yes. <laughs> Oh, God. But the fact that you're willing to stand here with me, knowing that you have no idea what I've been through, what it feels like, but still putting yourself beside me like, I got you. Well, it don't matter what it is, whether I felt it and I just want you to know that I'm here and I care because most people will stop and stay away from you. Oh, you divorced? Oh, I ain't never been divorced. I can't help her. I can't talk to her. Oh, you got seven kids? Ooh, I don't have any. I can't, I don't have nothing to offer. You can offer your presence. You could offer your compassion because that's the thing. We feel alone because we are made to feel so different. Yes, we're very different, but we can still stand together in our differences because that's what we all want, somebody to be there with you. You don't want somebody that has gone through the same thing all the time because you're like, well, dang, I'm down, you down. I, I'm sorry you had to go through this. You sorry. You know, who's going to? Somebody got to, you know. So right. You need that, that, that balance. And just yeah. to have somebody who's willing to be uncomfortable with you in that moment, like I said, it's just gold. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you ladies coming in and sitting down. Queens, y'all have any other questions? Look, Sadija said, you know, Sadija, she said, it's been almost an hour. I'm getting right. That's that. that oh. <laughs> she restless. That's what she was saying. Like, okay, come on, wrap it up like an hour. <laughs> I'm messing with you, D. I don't want to go to Rated R, y'all, but no. <laughs> go ahead, Lou. You got something? Yes, I have a question. So you guys spoke about how you guys was feeling. How about the men, mm. the baby fathers? How did they get over the hurt or how did they deal with the hurt? And, you know, supporting you through your hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was deep. I'll never forget that morning. Um, I think we were we were on number three, and um, I'm crying on the way to church, and I'm feeling what I'm feeling, and I'm expressing how I got to do this after, and I feel this way, and I got to do it all alone. And of course, you know, everybody contacts me and calls me and and reaches out to me, and he's there basically, you know, running to the drugstore, you know, filling out the prescriptions, and and you know, no one really stops and says anything. To, to the father, as far as I knew, in his case, and I'll never forget that morning, he slammed the brake and he said, you know, I lost my babies too. And he said it through tears and he said it through just like, you know, like that gut, he was, I could tell it was in his pain. He had to go back to work too and explain over and over and over again what happened. You know, um, I think watching him go through his pain, once I realized it, because I, I, I wasn't woke to his pain. I was just, you know, because we carried in our bodies. We carried the babies in our bodies. We experienced the babies and all of that. I just didn't even think that it hurt him the way it hurt me. Um, I didn't think it hurt him the way it hurt me. And it also hurt him watching me hurt so much because um, I was just in my own little bubble. But like I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, um, it hurts so many people. Um, and the fathers definitely, that, I think that's a story untold. And I, I, I can't even get, I can't speak for him to say what it feels like, even to this day, you know, what it feels like for him to know that we've ha that we have a total of six children that we lost together. And um, what does that mean to him? What does that look like to him? Um, how, you know, a miscarriage and loss, I think, affects even how you parent going forward. Um, for me, 
it was almost like, like I said, PTSD. I was scared to let my children leave my site for one minute. Can they babysit? Nope. Can they go? Nope. Can they? Do? I homeschool my kids. I think miscarriage has something to do with that. <laughs> to be honest with you, it was, it was just the fear. You know, the fear of you're not taking another one of my children. It's not happening. You know, you get angry like it's not going to happen, and. Um, so I, I don't know, but I know for my husband, when he finally did open up about it, it was, I, I saw the trauma that he was going through too. And I do think it took a toll on even our relationship for a while there. Um, we had to heal, you know, and it, and some marriages, it rips apart. Some families, it rips, it totally rips apart because you lose the person you were married to. After my miscarriages, I wasn't who he married for many years, um, for many years. And uh, it, it almost took our marriage out. It really did. So it, it's a thing. It's a thing. Wow. And I would, <clears throat> I would echo that, especially the part of the the role it plays and the pressure it puts on the relationship. Um, because my, I have three girls. All three of them, they have the same dad. And so when we had Cameron. I really feel like, and we've had a few conversations, their dad and I, after that, that was his way of trying to help me feel better about the first baby that we lost. And it was like, I, he didn't have space to really grieve because he was trying to take care of me. And everybody was asking him, what is she doing? What He was the spokesperson because I didn't want to talk to anybody. We were in college. He'd have to go to school, to campus and tell everybody, like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. And he was like the spokesperson for that. And we never had a conversation. And I truly believe that 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 hurt and that pain that we never, that ball of yarn that we never unraveled had an impact on our marriage. And we're not together today. That's not the only reason, but that was very early on in our relationship. To have something like that happen and you don't have a sturdy foundation, it, it is hard to get through it. And it's so crazy because I'm now writing a book. And so I go, I'm going through my journal to look at how I was feeling. He wrote in my journal three times. I never knew he wrote in there. He wrote two letters to her about how he was feeling, how he was trying to take care of me, how nobody was listening to him. And he just wanted to tell her that because she was the only person that he could talk to that wouldn't cut him off. And as I was writing and I'm reading this and I'm like, I never knew that this was how he, because we never talked about it never talked about it. And then when I started the organization and, you know, I'm talking on these platforms, I got a call. It was two o'clock in the morning. I answered the phone and it was him. He said, I'm sick of this. I'm sick. I lost the baby too. And he just, and I listened and he went on for like 35 minutes, but we never talked and I, in my mind. And that's the challenge with men and women. When you go through this, you think he doesn't care because you don't see him doing anything. And we grieve differently, but we don't even, and as I think back, and again, like I said, I'm writing, I don't even know I'm lying. I know I didn't create a space for him to be able to do that. Yeah. And so I think that's the part that women, we yes, we're going through it, but we're also going through this together. And you really got to be cognizant of creating a space to where he can also feel because he's taking care of you. He's already a man. Men don't cry and all these other things. And they bottle it up. And again, if you don't have a strong foundation already in your relationship, just like that grief will consume and swallow you, that grief will destroy a marriage, a relationship, friendships too. I mean, you know, if it's not 
file it, it will. And it was just amazing to read that. And I, I never knew he felt that way. Even now, we never, but I read those letters in my journal. And I was like, first of all, how you get in my book? But <laughs> was you reading my other stuff? But I, and I'm like, wow, he wrote her two letters and then he wrote a journal entry. And I was like, that's powerful. I never knew he felt that way. Yeah, this is a whole nother show, ladies, because it, it, it affects your intimacy. You know, I, I went from just wanting to be sexy at night to, okay, I got to make this up. I lost one, baby. got to fix this. You got to give me a, a, my whole mindset about wow. um, intimacy and sex with my husband changed. And then when I felt like a failure, because that's what I felt like when I kept losing baby after baby after baby, I felt like a failure. Then it, it, it you know... Mm. everything felt failed. I felt like a failure in everything. And, and it, it, it transformed into a lot of things. And it literally, I mean, it literally took, almost took my marriage out. My marriage is at 28, next month will be at 28 years by miracle. But those were the days that really tested it and tried it. And I, and we were almost done. And I think Mm. that's a whole nother conversation that needs to be had. Like, like, I'm so glad you asked that question, Lou, because it's so true. The impact it can have on a relationship when the wife feels she failed, maybe the husband feels like she is a failure. Uh, man, I picked mm. the wrong one. This one can't even give me, you know, these are not things you say out loud. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't say these things out loud and you're ashamed for feeling them, but that don't mean that they're not there. You wow. know, and I think if we get to that place, ooh, can you imagine if we could get to that place where we could say it? Just say mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's going to sting. It's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. But at least now we've created, we put the, you know, like we've gone to the hospital. We tell them that, you know, we got this problem and now they can do the x-ray and get to the problem and hopefully heal, you know, take it out and heal it. And I think a lot of times we don't. We don't. But yeah. I'm open for that conversation because. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I lost too. So that's why I asked mm-hmm. the question. Mm-hmm. And my husband went through it too. So that's why I mm-hmm. wanted to know yeah. how your husband's. Went yeah, yeah, that's a good one, Lou. All right, so go on and, and, and talk to that husband, Renee. Let's get on back on here. <laughs> we could do a follow up and find some men. I know that Sajija is, I was on her um, platform right before she just had the um, summit that I missed. I missed it this year, I was so sad, but I had the pleasure of sitting through her. Um, Instagram, they were doing, you know, some um, promo and just talking to people about what to expect at the event. And yet again, I learned some more stuff. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm always there just trying to expand my mind and my knowledge because like I said, I haven't lost, but the gentleman that was there and just talking and like to hear it from his perspective and to, to know, you know, that they have a space now, you know, for some men and that men are coming forward, you know, because a lot of men are private and don't, you know, that whole ego thing where they're not supposed to talk and, you know, all of the things not cry and all of that. And so that was a very good question. And we do need to host space for men as well, because I mean, like we just said, and I'm so glad that we discussed that question, that loss is lost. And, and I wanted to know what you guys, you know, said, because that's what I was thinking, but I was like, okay, I just want to make sure that that is, you know, the way they feel as well, because it is when someone loses someone, if someone that you love, it stings, it hurts, 
it's painful. We all have those questions of why and, you know, and so thank you for sharing that. But definitely, I think that that would be um, a follow up episode, guys, the queens that we can have, you know, to bring men on and to let them express, because that was one of the things that the gentleman said, you know, that they did not, they, they, if it wasn't space for the women, you know, it definitely wasn't space for the men, you know, and they are just now starting to get, you know, the spaces. And so I, I think that it is important that, you know, that we have space. And it's so funny when Renee was talking, all I could think about y'all was reset session, <laughs> rebooting your mind on love, sex, and intimacy, because we did an event like that. And, and so it's so important because I can, I can only imagine, um, how that loss did affect the bedroom. So like, that's, that's definitely a good conversation. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. How, how loss affects the bedroom. That's a good topic. Yes, how lo- I'm going to write that. Thank you. That's, that's the topic. How loss affects the bedroom. Come Look, on, Renee. Look, good with the topic. <laughs> that, that's where I got our theme from for this year. <laughs> we were having a conversation. It's a family affair. I said, oh, that's good. I'm going to use that. Yes, how lost of it. Yeah, that's good. I mean, and definitely um I can hook up with Sadija to and you, Renee, to help get us some um couples that wouldn't mind coming on and sitting down and chatting with us about that. I think that's real good. So but any lasting words, I wanna make sure um any lasting words you guys have, Renee. Um I oh we always wanna hear any lasting words that you wanna leave for the queens and kings that will hear this. And also, uh, Sadiq, I'll, I'll let you go after Renee because I want to put up in, um, the information for sales and I'm going to put that up there. So, Renee, any um, parting words that or what you want to leave with the kings and queens that will tune in to hear this episode? Yeah, I just, I guess the... What I'm just loving about this experience is, you know, for us always to create a space, you know, creating space, safe spaces um, for, for one another to, to share and talk um, and just being open hearted when we do so. Sometimes when we listen to people, or we create the space. It's not safe because we will decide what people should be saying. Um when people want to be angry and hurt and mad at God, we're like, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. Well, right now, they're just people. They're just humans being. And uh, that's what they feel. Let them feel what they feel so that they can get to the other side, you know, and let them be humans being. And I'm, I'm always so appreciative when I run into a group of people who will allow that. That's not a threat. That's a process. That's a part of the process. And that's sometimes what we have to go through to get to the other side. It's, it's regard, regard, no matter what you're talking about. If you're talking about, um, you know, loss, if you're talking about communication issues, if you're talking about struggles in your relationship, sometimes we just need to be like, I'm here. You know, I think Ayana Van Zant says, call a thing a thing. Sometimes you just need to say what it is. You know, let's just say what it is so that we can get to the other side. If we're always denying where we are, we will absolutely never get to where we need to get to. So thank you for creating a space where, you know, I could come on, tell you where I am, where I was, where hopefully I, I'm going to be. <laughs> I don't know where that's going to be, but you know, I have hope. I have high hopes. But um, I, I just really appreciate honesty and authenticity and creating a space where that can that can happen. That's a safe space. Thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. And I, I echo that. I think, again, I, 
when folks that have not experienced something decide to step in the room with those that have, it is a powerful move. It is a collaboration and it says to you that we are together. There is no difference. Um, there might be differences in how we feel, but the fact that I want to be here for you in this, whatever this is, is powerful. And I think that that's, that's what we really need. That's what we need more of in the world when it comes to loss, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to domestic, any issue you can think of, it's powerful to have somebody else say, you know what, that hasn't happened to me, but I care enough to be there with those that it has happened to um, and be able to walk with them through that. Um, so the only last thing, I, that's one thing I, would, I always say, you do not have to have experienced it to be there for somebody who has. And if you have it and you want it to be there and you're not sure what to say, honesty is the best policy. Listen, I really want to be here for you. I just don't know what to say. This never happened to me before. I don't know how you feel because that's the worst you can tell somebody is I know how you feel. And that goes back to the comparison. Oh, I know how you feel because such and such. No, you don't know. Even if we had the same experience, you still don't know how I feel because I'm unique. And so it's fair to say, I don't know how you feel. I've never had this, but I want to be here for you. Can you allow me to just be here with you? Um, and so th that's what I would leave folks with. And then um, I, it's interesting that we're on a tribe called Queens. Of course, I'm going to do a plug for my event. So our annual summit is next year. The fifth one is next year. Um, so last Saturday, August, and the theme is find your tribe. And so I'm super excited about oh, that. Oh, shoot. Yes, 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 yes. The theme is find your tribe. So I'm super excited about that because this, this shows it, you know, again, this is a tribe of queens who have found one another. They're in it together to hold space and be there to lift up our brothers and sisters. And you need to find people like that in whatever instance you're going through. It's important to find your tribe. So I'm super excited to be here again, ladies. Thank you all for holding space um, for those of us that have experienced loss and those that are not ready to talk about it, but that have experienced it. You don't have to talk about it. That's the other thing I want to say is don't look at me or look at Renee or read somebody's book and be like, oh, I need to make a nonprofit. Oh, I got to go write this book. Oh, you don't have to do any of that. You do not. All you have to do is own what you've been through find somebody that can help you through. You never even have to tell the world. You could just tell the lady next door and y'all could sit down and talk about it. And she might tell you her grandma's story and you know you can work through it that way. You do not have to open your wound and your story to the world because it's a painful process and it comes with a lot of weight and a lot of pressure. And you don't have to go through all of that just to get through and to the other side. So thank you guys again. Um, the organization is still Born to Infant Loss Support. You can find us on all social media at Born Into Silence. The website is www.bornintosilence.org. If you or anyone you know has experienced loss, please visit our website. We have care packages for families um, that are going through loss. We offer emotional and moral support as well as financial support for funeral and burial services. If anyone is in need, please feel free to reach out to us. Awesome. Queens, lasting words. Lou, what you got? Um, thank you, ladies, for coming on, sharing. Um, it was a great conversation. So I have. Thank you. Awesome. Thank e, you. what you got, E Boogie? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. Our other queen dropped on. She driving. I don't know if she can talk. You got any lasting words, Justina? No, she said no. All right. Nope. Well, late. <laughs> 
All right, ladies, I think we've all said it. I think that from the bottom of our heart, we are truly, truly just grateful and thankful to have this space. We are thankful and grateful that you um, cared enough about us. And thank you for those kind words that we definitely, that it was a safe space because that's so, so important for us. We stand on that. And as we always say, we are our sister's keeper and we are looking to save the world one woman at a time. And so we thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us on this episode for Queen's Talk, where we come in and talk all things and we don't care. So if you have any topics that you want the Queens to talk about, feel free to drop us a DM. Don't mean we're going to do it, but we we like to hear from you. <laughs> But yes, you can feel free to send us, drop us a line. Please make sure you tune in, listen, subscribe, all of that. Check us out. You can check us out on all the social media platforms as well. Tribe called Queens Official. And we just four queens that like to talk so and support our sisters. All right, y'all. Y'all know how I always leave out this thing. And look, I got the queen saying it too. But listen, y'all know what I always hit y'all with. I hit y'all with them deuces. And we will see you guys next time on the next podcast episode of four queens talk take care and god bless